Philadelphia. Well, is uh, Bobby Dubs uh, right in there? We're live from the Henry James Saloon. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the live stream. I am John Barchard, joined by a very sunflowery Vince Quinn, and the rest of the Bell and the Birdman crew have been fantastic supporting the entire show today. Uh, we have drinking many liquid deaths, and unfortunately, Vince Quinn, we asked coming into this game and on the pregame show, is the are the Eagles a playoff team? Can they do this? Can they make it so we can believe again? And unfortunately, uh, the city of Philadelphia, I believe, will be checking out after today. Honestly, I thought it was a pretty good game overall for the Eagles. Uh, a lot of just silly mistakes. Uh, a lot of injuries kind of caught up with him again. Nick Sirianni sticking with the run, I'm sure, is going to make people feel a little happy. Uh, but the focus for me really comes on not being at least confident enough to get Jalen Hurts' passing game going to work in right away with that dominating run game for like the, the first three quarters of this really and that's the that's the difference in this one is Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts for me yeah I mean it does come down to Jalen Hurts was not a good enough passer today for the Eagles to win this game he's a great runner and he made a throw to Devontae Smith late that allowed them to tie the game at 24 that took three corners being out for the Chargers yep. with two starters not in today and another injury late in the fourth and that was the one play they capitalized on, but he was sloppy today. He had moments to get the ball down the field. That pass to Dallas Goddard early yep. really stings. And to lose 27-24, but they perfectly executed end-of-game drive by the Chargers. You just feel like they're the better team. It was close, yep. but they're the better team. Yep, and, uh, and not by much, too. That's just what stinks is because you knew they were going to hang with this, but you're looking at Justin Herbert's stat line, Wolf. 32 for 38. Uh, almost 400 yards in this one, two touchdowns, and at one point uh, during that run in the fourth quarter, and honestly, I don't know if he threw another incompletion, but he was at 11 in a row that ended up being 12 or 13, and, uh, you know, the last six minutes without Darius Slay, I mean, I don't know how I, I mean, it, it definitely mattered. It definitely mattered. That's the one biggest thing that stuck out to us was just Jonathan Gannon got so stone cold at the end of that game that, you know, we're sitting here thinking, if, if you're doing zero cover blitz at the end, if you're engaging eight, if you're doing all the Madden-type shit just to get some pressure on yep. Justin Herbert, which he's shown time and time again that it, he will make mistakes when you do, none of that happened really throughout the day. And at the end, when you probably needed to do it the most, at worst, they score, and you have a minute and 48, 44, 40 left, and you try to go down there, but they don't give their offense another opportunity. And Brandon Staley at the end with the fake, then going right back to it, just uh, just got out coached in the last six minutes, and uh, they can be in the same wedding party, but they can't be on the same field. Yeah, in terms of class. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it was really unfortunate for it to go that way, and for Justin Herbert going into the game. Uh, Dubs mentioned this in the pregame as well. Justin Herbert throwing under sixty percent, sixty, which today's NFL, it's not good. You know, he was throwing under sixty the past three weeks. Today, thirty-two with thirty-eight. He absolutely diced the Eagles up. What is it? Easy stuff underneath. Five-yard throws, seven-yard throws. The very occasional deep shot. He hit one or two. But they made completions like crazy underneath. It tore the Eagles apart. And as much as they shut down the running game, it didn't matter. Herbert was that good. And to your point about, you know, missing Dallas Goddard early and then in the third quarter, boom, right away, hitting that Mike Williams play. It ended up being a four-play four drive. Thankfully, the Eagles came and answered on a, on a longer drive. But, I mean, yeah, it was just that's the difference there. It's like they, you're able to hit those shots because of the talent. Mike Williams has been in that system for a while. And, and 
<laughs> more talented than any wide receiver that, that the Eagles have, too. So it's just, you know, just looks like over the past two years, Justin Herbert, uh, way more talented than Jalen Hurts, but still, again, a coaching staff which understands what it does best and what they do best and constantly execute it over and over. I actually thought Austin Eckler was going to be a humongous problem. Was at the end. Yep. Uh, it's just a, it's that complementary football that just never really sticks together throughout the, 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 the end caps here. It's always in the middle. The offense and defense are never on the same page at the start of the beginning of this game, and that's 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 head coaching lumps that they're going to continue to take here probably over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, for all this, like, the moments where you feel like things are growing, this is what happens with a young team, inexperienced coaching staff, inexperienced and, you know, questionable starting quarterback. You have things where it looks good, and then it falls apart within the game. You can't trust this team week to week before the game. I was like, I don't know, they could win by 30, they could get blown out. I have no clue what the hell is going to happen. And early, that's what it felt like, you know? The offense couldn't get going early. Struggled big time. What happened? They were passing the ball. Hurts was bad. And then they start running, and it's working, and it's going. And then late in the game, like, it wasn't quite the same. It just... So it's never that consistency, quarter to quarter, drive to drive. That's a young team. It's a team that needs more talent. But again, going back to the Herbert versus Hurts stuff, you know what they do for Herbert? They get those throws at five yards and seven yards. The one play I talked about during the game, and I will keep talking about this play, Kenny Gainwell in the backfield, they motion him out wide. He runs jet across the field, does a light cross, and he opens up space for Dallas Goddard, who runs the same route behind him. Beautiful play, smart play. You never see that. They didn't do anything else like that the rest of the game. Like, where is that? Why don't they run that kind of stuff? And it drives me crazy because you see across the field and what their offense is doing. They've got tight ends I've never even fucking heard of before running up and down all over the place. And three of them, I believe, today were made, made plays or made action or had snaps out yep. there. And... How can that not happen here? Like, the tight end has always been the quarterback's favorite safety valve, and it just doesn't look like they're interested in getting Dallas Goddard involved outside of maybe the first 15 or 25, a, a, a deep shot there with the tight end link, like we said before, but just it's very peculiar. And, and to the timing on the whole let's go get Jalen and Devontae going is weird, you know? And uh, I want to swing it back to how this game kind of began a little bit, too, with... I mean, man, Jordan Howard looking like he kind of did against the Lions a little bit there uh, last week as well. Uh, Boston Scott, kind of the same thing. Kenny Gainwell not in, the, in there until late. I thought they missed a huge opportunity to do anything that they wanted to this Chargers defense. Maybe that is because of just like, is it literally just the lack of trust in Jalen Hurts and that's why they don't go to it? They're like, let's not have this game get screwed up. It's going well. No one wanted anyone to stop the run. But at the same time, there's just so many good opportunities in a loaded seven and eight man box where you could have gone up and sliced them and diced them. They chose not really to do that or limited the amount of opportunities to go and do that. So I don't know. Do you think that they, this is something you have to carry into each week and it's the only way that they can be successful? Well, yeah, it's tough because... Again, Hurts was bad today. I mean, as a passer, he was bad. Yeah. His, his legs were incredible, and that kept them in the game, but he was fighting himself, you know? So it's hard to trust him. And then with Jordan Howard, when he's got those moments where, yeah, he gets you four or five yards, and he can do that when the line's doing its job, the problem is he's not a pass catcher at all. So late in the game, 
they gave him one carry, but that's it. You have to have Boston Scott on the field. You have to have Kenny Gainwell on the field. Because if you want to run tempo and you want to pass, you need a legitimate threat out there, and Howard isn't it. So he's a limited player. He's got a slot. We'll see what they do with him. We'll have a conversation about that later this week of what happens with Jordan Howard. But, man, I mean, it's one of those things where that, again, it's the thing we've been talking about all year. What is that reliable, consistent thing that they can do every week? What are those plays that are the bread and butter? They don't have them, whether it's Howard or Scott or Gainwell or Goddard. They just, it comes and goes day by day, drive by drive. It's frustrating as hell. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, um, honestly, one of the biggest talking points from this game, and it's, it's interesting because I know, I, I would assume people are going to come at the defense again. Uh, and towards the end, rightfully so. They deserve every every ounce of criticism. It was so poorly coached. But, like, for seven-eighths of this game, the linebackers, which were completely new in terms of starting, I believe it's the first time we didn't see Alex Singleton come out and start. Yeah. Came in a little later on in the game. I actually thought didn't lose this game for him altogether. No. You know, at all. Uh, and I honestly believe the defense did a lot of good things early on. Uh, I, it just... Yeah, man, really, to me, this game just says talent. You know, like the 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 Eagles are starting to gel a little uh, more together. And honestly, um, I I thought between starting the linebackers and changing that up, and uh, a little credit to Nick Sirianni for keeping Jalen flowing between under center in shotgun. Yep. Um, I thought that really helped him. And uh, our friend uh, Dennis was saying the entire time from uh, the Ignorant uh, Thinkers podcast uh, was uh, was all over. Like, you know, Jalen Hurts and his footwork under center, it's a lot more comfortable. He's got time to set his feet and throw the ball. And you saw that later on with Devontae Smith and all that. I would like to light, lighten the load with the RPO, honestly, if that's how he throws as a pure passer under center. One that one big takeaway, at least that I that I saw from this game. Well, let, let me say this: I didn't think I'd say this, but maybe he's Nick Folsey. Maybe he's a he is the rhythm guy, and it is getting him in that that flow of things. And he'll be better when you coach the offense that way. So the under center stuff, and I'll say this about Sirianni's credit: one, they didn't get penalized a ton in this game. Maybe three or four wasn't yep. bad at all, although it was worse late. And uh, they did keep him under center again, and they did run the ball again. So in terms of the growing process here, it does look better. It's not good enough, but it's better. And you have that all-easy schedule the rest of the way. So those are all encouraging things. But in terms of what the offense is going to be the rest of the way, it's those short passes are really the big sticking point for me. It's the five-yard, seven-yard, move the chains. Like, how often, honestly, all season – have you seen this team in a second and three? <laughs> oh, no. This is... <laughs> Sorry, we're getting into the comments Whoa. here. Random person on YouTube right now is stimming. Jim Schwartz was actually good. For a while. <laughs> for a while, Jim Schwartz was good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then we have... Uh, oh, and I like this one. Yeah, what do you from got? From Joe, who says, uh, Gannon needs to become a booth guy. You know, that's been that's been going on for a long time. Uh, what's that? We got Hurts will always... Be, be a, a bad, bad passer. passer. I, I don't think that's true at all, by the way. Uh, don't blame the offense or defense. Blame Howie because. And well, that's where I mean, your yeah. point was. You know, it's the talent's not good enough. And that was part of the game today, right? Like, I mean, you lose Slay late, so that hurts and that sucks. Uh, sweat hit the medical tent late. But you look at the Chargers. I mean, they were missing both their starting corners today, and they held up just fine. And so, both of their starting right, right side of the line, too, as well. Like, 
you you would you would have figured there had been some pressure from somewhere. Josh Sweat going out late, absolutely probably did not uh, did not uh, help at all. Probably making decisions yep. towards the end there either, which is that's where my mind goes. Like, how on earth are you going to get any form of pass rush when your two best pass rushers are? We'll have to see what happens with Josh Sweat and Kyle. Let us know if there's anything from the Josh Sweat injury update, but. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, less less and less talent is not going to help this team in the next couple of weeks. So you have to hope that that's not uh, anything major. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's a weak offensive line. They should have been doing something. Well, and know? that's that's the thing, right? It is coaching. Like what we thought this team could be, would be. It really started with. I mean, the roster was good, it's good, not great, but like okay, and you needed it to be coached well. The coaching, now they're getting to the point where it's becoming an okay, acceptable young coaching staff, which it was not before. It was abysmal. So now they're becoming at least an actual coaching staff that's still learning and growing and, and earning their spot. But they're not making this roster better right now. They still need to get better themselves. So when all of it's growing together, it's going to be lumpy. And you know what? Brace it for the rest of this season because we're talking about the easy games, but also... There's going to be easy games they lose. That's oh, yeah. a certainty. You're probably going to lose to Washington or the Giants, or God forbid, they might lose to the Jets. Yeah. And you know what? With the way this team is, it's expected. <laughs> I mean, it well, is. It's, I don't think it's expected. It it's is just to me, not, yeah. It's just not assumed that, like, anything's really a win, uh, except and it's just, like, unless you're a Detroit Lions team or unless, like, you have you're the Jaguars. Like, they can beat the one and two win teams right now and they're just in the thick of like the middle of it uh, ben baldwin who if you're not following on twitter does a great job of this every week and just points out where everybody is in terms of point spreads and where it keeps going and shifting to and the eagles are constantly and consistently in that i hope you didn't trade your first round pick you know type yeah. of spread that's going on there as well so uh as uh, the great Francisco Rojas is saying goodbye to us, aka and we thank Gumby him for uh, his. Uh, oh wait, yeah, where Gumby might be coming back after this week and yelling <laughs> at Nick Sirianni. So, but uh, yeah, it's just been a it's been a weird year to figure these guys out. Uh, would anyone say that there's a like you said? Is this a is this stepping stones for anybody here? Like, are you looking at this in any form of positivity because we kind of anticipate? What's expected in this offseason? Jalen Hurts is not going to be starting more no. than likely. And there's going to be another veteran quarterback of some level in here. So if in terms of like what they're what I can finally see them doing, I'm still on Jonathan Gannon is lost and doesn't have enough talent. And Nick Sirianni doesn't have enough creativity right now with with the quarterback that can't throw yep. really well. And that's that's what you're really at. So now that it seems like even me. Even you are coming down a little bit on Jalen Hurts and what he can really provide. Yeah. Do I feel weird flipping the script and asking a question and hedging and saying, is this really all you can do with Jalen Hurts and have we been fair to Nick Sirianni? If, if, we can, if he knows now, all I can do to be successful is run the football and that's the first option that I have and my second option is to pass with Jalen Hurts, I don't think we'll ever understand Nick Sirianni this year either. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, it's let's be real. It's a limited offense because of Hurts. It just is. And when he doesn't have that ability to complete passes consistently and they want to go down the field, I mean, what's his downfield percentage? Accuracy percentage. It's not great. Like, 
Quez Watkins, for example, totally botched a play last week. Terrible jump up. It becomes a pick, so I don't want to penalize him for that. But, like, actual deep ball accuracy, it can't be good, and they like taking those shots. That's a good thing, you know? You want those chunk plays, and that's that's the frustrating thing. Talking with Matt Maratea during the game, he was like, you know, on some point, I want to count Hertz's rushing yards as a negative thing because when you're trying to get these explosive plays and he can't make them and he has to run to mitigate that, sure, you're getting seven, but you're not getting those chances at 35, 40, 50, 70 with Quez, well, you and know? I, and I'll push back know. on that a little bit because, like, there's this whole thing going on with I, – I think both things can be true. Jalen could be a limited passer, but there's also – the coach is still not helping him out in terms of that and secondly yeah. no one's getting open this whole bullshit about all oh, these wide receivers are all open all over the place no they're not and that's a big problem those two things are, are combining together you are not giving hurts any t- form of confidence to throw the ball down there anyway because now there's so much pressure on him if he if you screw up any pass like oh that should have been a run player that should have been this uh howie uh saying what how he wanted hurts and got carson wentz to run out Good, good, good. Does anyone not understand that that's a good thing, even if Hurts doesn't work out? Like, you've eliminated that horrible contract of his. And, guys, he did. He had one of the most awful games against a contender in his own division and then went and beat up the Jets, which Vince Quinn can go do. So four days later, everyone changed their mind and be like, oh, yeah, here we go again with the Carson Wentz shit. I am so happy he's not on this football team. It has no, no, nothing to do with how good Jalen Hurts is or isn't. If he ended up hitting the moon, amazing, great. You can build around him. But now you don't, and you still have enough ammo to go get another quarterback. And hopefully, hopefully you keep Jalen Hurts here in in, in some deal. Uh, Dennis is asking who? We've been saying Russell Wilson. Maybe it's Derek Carr. Maybe it's something like that where you can do But the Eagles were always planning it looks like to make a trade for a veteran quarterback. First, it was Watson. We all know that situation yep. got blown up. They moved on, and I, we believe their targets Russell and somebody else. Like I don't, I don't think after this weekend, if you can convince yourself that anyone is worth taking in a top ten with these quarterbacks, good luck to you. If it's if you're all happed up on Matt Coral and like you think that's the answer, it's not. This team is in a in a weird spot where it needs to make a decision. And this is, I, I guess, where I, I don't think Howie Roseman's going to sit back and wait for this thing to grow for a very long time. I just don't have that feeling at all. Well, no. I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot to grow right now. I, I don't know what you're growing. Like, Hurts, he's getting, he's getting his opportunities. He doesn't have games where you go, oh, my God, he's legit. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing where he's blown me away outside of the Atlanta game, and we know that was a fraud. So, for everything else, he's had good games, and it's like, all right, he's not bad. It's nothing like, oh, my God, this guy's a star. This guy can be really good. It's like, all right, he can be acceptable as a game manager. So, that's not growing. Um, Rager's not turning into anything. Quez Watkins is a limited guy. The only thing you're looking to grow is Devontae Smith, really. And you know what? He doesn't have a great quarterback throwing him the ball. So, like, and the other weapons around him aren't that good. So, how much is Devontae Smith going to grow? I don't know. Like, a little bit, maybe. But 
it, it, there's not a whole lot to root for. You're looking at, if anything, it's the defensive side. Like, does Milton Williams become somebody and get a couple of pressures? Does Avante Maddox keep this thing up and get a contract extension with the Eagles? Do the linebackers... Okay, the end here, too, yeah. Right, do the linebackers turn into guys that you can continue to start and grow and sign somebody else or draft somebody else, but they can stay on the roster and rotate in like that's the only growth that i'm really looking for dickerson settled in as a run blocker yep. everything's fine there and that's about it yeah uh yeah honestly you're right right and you're just and again, i'm a flower so i understand these things vince has been uh blooming as this wonderful sunflower if you can't see him on the podcast but has like how how what five feet worth of sunflower around your head it's a lot of sunflower <laughs> uh, i'm a lot of flower it's uh, all real and it's spectacular so i would also like to point out that vince quinn who tried to put a lion's costume on to make the team tank yep flipped his role and tried to make it bud and you see what happened here can you stop doing that so uh, do i need to dress up as a horse next week i i, I think that's what we what we need to go all right the the nihilist flower has uh, as uh, Taylor's pointing out, is an amazing addition to the show, and I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Kyle Bennett, uh, if you would pick up that microphone, because I have a question to ask for you. Uh, really, it's just, where do you go from here, honestly? Like, what uh, is, would you qualify this as, I, like, there's, there's no more moral victories at this point in the season. No. But if you're talking in terms of next year, are you okay? That was that was fine to know why they lost. They got out coached at the end. I think I think if you're looking at it from a next year perspective, it all depends on who's on this team next year. There's so many question marks even now going into next year that it's impossible to know how you can judge what this season is yeah. without knowing who's going to be here next year. <laughs> well, who do you not want to be here? Maybe that's a better question. On how much time do you got? Uh, <laughs> well, I think we got the the Henry James Saloon is open until uh, midnight, so yeah, we, the there floor is yours. Time, <laughs> pull up a chair. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just don't. I I it it just seems as though they've we we didn't pay attention enough. But it was saying, hey, they're waiting for next year, like they're preserving Ertz. Do you think they're preserving Dallas Goddard, and maybe that's the that's the issue here? Are they preserving him? Do they not want him to be targeted? Because it just Which seems is a strange as... optic to want to try to trade somebody, and it's like, oh, we're not going to showcase him. Yeah, or like I just don't get it. Are they trying to drive his price down? He's obviously going to walk and go take somewhere else. Like, I'm I'm very confused on all of the personnel decisions that are still here. The Fletcher Cox thing, where you try to trade him and then. You make it impossible to essentially like. Yep. I just don't know what. It seems as though again they're doing the Howie thing where they're running two different systems at the same time. You know, and uh, it's me back to that draft room scenario and I forget who it was was pissed off about the pick they made. Yeah, Howie Tom Donahue. I've been everybody. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, and there's nothing too much big brain about this game either. I mean, they did simply just they lost they lost it in the end. They couldn't. They couldn't exec out-execute them, and that was pretty much it. And, yes, Brandon Staley is a lot smarter than, than Nick Sirianni and probably half of the coaching staff. So Yeah, I mean, their offense ran better today. It's an offensive league. And for the defense, they made big plays early, which kept them in it. And they were able to have the lead at halftime, which was great. Then that second half, I mean, I don't know if they had a single big-time impact play that actually switched the flow of the game. 
And that's the problem. I mean, they had that third down stop late, but then the Chargers go for it on fourth, and they were able to convert those late. They bury the Eagles with a field goal, and that's your ball game. So, well, then I got a stupid gripe. You ready for my stupid gripe? Why yes. on earth is Tyree Jackson active when your game plan is let's go run the ball and demolish this team? And whether we like to admit it or not, J.J. Arthega-Whiteside blocks and is probably going to be out there for a lot longer than Tyree Jackson if there's not one ball that's going to be thrown to him or not. I just think that's a silly thing to do. Uh, Tommy G checking in. Are we going to become the, the Broncos, Broncos and start uh, slinging away? Oh, signing veteran quarterbacks. Every, I mean, is that such a bad idea at this point? And not much Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. Russell if it's Wilson. like Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater, no, don't do that. Like, no. that's a waste of your time. Honestly, you're better off going young and experimenting or going all in on an older guy. But that's somebody that's a proven veteran that isn't good enough that multiple teams have given up on. You know what it is. I mean, unless you're trying to sell tickets and you're a small market struggling team. But otherwise, Philly, you don't have to do that. The Eagles don't have to do that. They shouldn't do it. I don't like it. No. Uh... I don't think they go bottom of the barrel there, Kyle, but uh, I would assume someone like a Bridgewater is going to make their way here next year, a Flacco or whatever, right? Something like that. They, <laughs> Everybody's favorite handsome paisan, Jimmy G, is going to hey! be here next year. I'm All right. That's something that maybe you and you and uh, Coach Gary, who's making his triumphant return to the podcast, by the way, uh, Kyle Bennett and uh, Gary, Coach Gary are going to take over the post-post uh, game show once we've kind of wrapped some things up here, but... Um, Outside of trying to find old quarterbacks or rooting for Russell Wilson again, Vince, is there any other big takeaways from this one that you're sitting here going like, man, you know, like I the, the only thing is just missed opportunities. And the one thing that sticks out of my mind is Jack Driscoll, who is unfortunately going to we haven't had any updates from him. But the last time we saw him, Jalen Hurts was tripping over him on pretty significant third and five. And you just I think that play changes the game. There's like these are these are the types of things where you're going to go back and rewatch three or four times and be like, oh, right. They, they could have punched that. They could. And, and honestly, before it gets lost, the, it could have been a, a, a lot worse. I mean, the first opening drive for the Chargers was 99 yards. Defense ends up stuffing them. Like, that's a... So, the defense lost it in the end, but they kept them in it in the beginning. It's just that whole timing thing, man. They can never be on the same... They'll never have a, a perfect, a perfect, perfect game outside of playing the Detroit Lions. I just won't. Yeah, I mean, there's there were some encouraging moments in this game. Again, the coaching staff got better. They had some big plays early, but couldn't maintain it through the whole game. They let the Chargers really take over, especially that running game in the fourth quarter. Got a lot better for the Chargers. And uh, yeah, it's it's talent, like you said. It shouldn't feel as bad as it does, but as is Billy Jean. Has taken over, but yeah, I just I broken out into Michael Jackson here, Vince. Uh, it's it's so distracting, but that's how it goes. Uh, the main thing is you hope that next year it gets better, and the team's trying to get better. And it's a growing team in their first year together, and coaching's got to be better to get you out of the hole like this. It's not there. And uh, Kyle Bennett showing us on the Twitter.com that in fact an Eagles fan. Through a entire bouquet of flowers at Nick Sirianni at the link tonight. He was not happy about it <laughs> and pointed up to the fans and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, like, you're just opening yourself up in the city of Philadelphia if you start talking about flowers. Obviously, uh, Vince is representing that here, too. 
Uh, at least it wasn't oranges or, you know, dog biscuits or anything. Or batteries. So it's just or flowers. Snowballs. <laughs> or snowballs. So we're, we're making our way up here. Uh, Kyle, anything uh, anything you want to, uh, that is on top of your mind is, uh, is I don't know if he's actually in. Or not right now. He's in the waiting room, but I don't know if it's camera. Right. Well, we'll see if we can get uh, Gary on up there. I do want to remind everybody of a lot of different things. First and foremost, this podcast and live stream is brought to you by the wonderful, the wonderful, and always supporting Bell and the Birdman, Liquid Death Mountain Water. It is one of the best looking cans that you have ever seen, as you can see that uh, right up front. And if you've seen any pictures on our Instagram or anything like that at Bell and the Bird, you know that this is one badass can. It looks like you're drinking booze. It looks like you're drinking high energy drinks. But honestly, it's just keeping you hydrated and murdering your thirst. Uh, and we have massive, massive cases here at the Henry James Saloon, as we always do for every game day. And... Uh, we're very excited to tell you about something that we are starting br uh, brand new with our company, Last Out Media. And we're inviting every sports podcaster to come join us, not only here on Sundays, but if you have a podcast and are available on Thursday nights, and if you want to talk about the Flyers, or you want to live stream about the Phillies, or all Philly sports, the Sixers, the uh, whatever it is, if you have a podcast and want to get paid 50 bucks and eat $50 worth of free food, have a good time and bring a crowd and try and earn more? Well, my friends, just go uh, hit us up in the DMs. It's Vince Quinn at John Barchard. We'd love to hear from you. We are starting things off on Thursday, November 19th, right here at the Henry James Saloon. That deserves a bell ring with our good friend Trill Bro Dude and his podcast, You Know Ball. So if you're a Sixers fan, it is going to be Sixers Nuggets here Thursday night at 9 o'clock. Uh, Vince and I will be here, and honestly, we want to turn this into one of the biggest caster clubs of all time. Yep. And just hang out and try to get you uh, to wherever you're going with your podcast, your live stream, your digital content. Should be fun. Once again, hit us up in the DMs. Uh, also, lastoutmedia.com if you're ever thinking about recording with us. And of course, as we just did, if you go to our YouTube page after all of this, we had the great Ian Tolino in from uh, of Maryland to take his first cheesesteak tour, which we successfully completed, and we loved every ounce of it. If you are a fan coming into town and want to hang out, want the true Philly experience, that is all in our link tree, in our description of this podcast and YouTube. Uh, go find our store, and you will see all sorts of membership tiers. And if cheesesteaks aren't your thing, that's okay. We've got roast pork tiers. we got all sorts of stuff oh, yeah. uh, that uh, we love. And more than anything, make sure you are subscribing to our newsletter, where you're going to get Great content from the great Matt Maratea, from Bobby Dubs, from Ashley Woods, from Francisco Rojas, from me and Vince, and it keeps tabs on everything that we're doing here. So, wanted to get that all out to you. Vince Quinn, some final thoughts before we hand it over to uh, Kyle and uh, Gary. Actually, is Gary in there, Kyle? Yeah, okay, so, beautiful. so Gary is there. Uh, well, getting ready to buy my horse costume, John. <laughs> I guess it, it's what the people want. I'll see if I can reverse the curse. I'll dress up as a horse. And we'll see if we can will the Eagles to a win next week. I love it. Uh, I hope, uh, I mean, shout out to the Broncos for beating the Dallas Cowboys today. It's all moot because it doesn't matter. The Eagles lose. Uh, we are going to hand it off to the great Kyle Bennett, who's been producing this show. And, of course, Coach Gary to uh, continue on with our post-post-game show. I see Gary in the uh, in the stream. I'm going to let you, uh, you guys take it over. Gary, uh, what uh, overall... I, he sent me some pretty peculiar texts, and especially to Kyle, some peculiar texts. Want you guys to get started there, but 
right now, are you guys in or out on Jalen Hurts? I'd like to start there. Oh, that's the frustrating thing. I literally texted you, like, what, in the fourth quarter saying that I'm just not ready to wave the white flag on him. I said this after the, the, the Atlanta game week one. The guy has McNabb-like tendencies when he moves within the pocket, but he doesn't have the arm strength to be an NFL quarterback. It's frustrating. It's like we're just waiting for that next major step to happen. And, you know, we're what, now 12 games into Jalen Hurts from last year? There's just so much more to see, and the good news is this season's essentially just a big preseason. It doesn't matter what happens. You just need to see some type of development from him, and he's not showing that. It's just that he's still good at the movement and the pocket presence. Not pocket presence, but buying more time. He just doesn't have an NFL arm, and I don't think you can develop that. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. It, it is. I like that you know point that you bring up. It is just an extended preseason. You're kind of seeing what you have with this roster across the board because you truly don't know. This coaching staff is very questionable, and I'm sure you and I are going to get into Jonathan Gannon as well, but you don't know what you have in the coaching staff. You don't know what you have in a ton of these pieces on the offense, and it's just such a giant question mark right now that you're just throwing things at the wall to see if they'll stick. And it's funny because it seemed like a theme between Kyle and John was, was you know, essentially the roster. I'm sorry, Vince and John. It was the roster, and, and you know, you're, you're sitting with a, basically a major roster question going into the offseason after this basically extended preseason is you have a lack of young talent, but you have a plethora of picks to recoup that. But the problem is you don't have a quarterback, and the quarterback's not in the draft this year unless you're a really big believer in a Malik Willis and Matt Corral or whoever the kid is, I think from like North, like North Carolina State or something. I don't know. But those two guys, Corral and Willis, are the ones that are talked about the most. And then you're going to have all these veterans. So it's like, are you going to go ahead, move your draft capital to get a veteran but still have lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball and just young talent because this team is in a desperate need of defensive playmakers? I don't think they sacked Justin Herbert one time today, did they? Uh, I don't think they did. I think there was only one sack in the game, and it was the Chargers getting that sack on Jalen Hurts. There's no type of pressure that they can create from any phase of the defense, whether it's, you know, up front on the line, they can't get any pressure coming through. You and I were talking during the game. Their linebackers just are not it. They're not NFL players, and they don't create any type of, you know, different type of schemes with their secondary to allow them to go in and blitz, and you're dressing like 12 corners a game. And it just makes no sense that you're not getting creative on defense enough. And I think it, it speaks to that scheme, right? Uh, Jonathan Gannon, I think, and I think it's been explained. But I want to, I want to get this out here, and I think I have an understanding of what the defense is. It's a bad defense, but it's a very analytical approach defense, right? So the idea is to not let them beat you deep, make them complete 13, 14 passes per drive, and try and make them create a mistake. The problem is. If you're going to give up that open space underneath and you can't tackle because you have undersized linebacker, it's a flawed system. You basically took one of the variables of that analytic and basically changed it to pi because it's a never-ending mistake. Like, it's just ridiculous, right? I, I, I I think it's malpractice how this team has ignored still a valuable piece of an NFL team and a football team in general. You need linebackers to win football games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers went on an all-time run last year with two elite linebackers you can play sideline to sideline. You don't need three linebackers. You don't need the guy who's going to get you 185 tackles a year. 
you just need guys that can make tackles and play in good space and coverage because that's what the NFL is giving you. We, I mean, that's what the college game is going to be giving you. You have to adjust to what the college is giving you, and that's spread, spaced out offenses, and you need to adjust defensively. The offense is adjust, the defense is not yet, and the good teams are the ones that are figuring out, like Tampa Bay, like the Rams, like Green Bay. They're doing these things, and the Eagles just continue to ignore the middle of the field on defense. It's absurd. It's like every single team in Philadelphia just hates defense, except for the 76ers. But I think... Yeah. In the one league, it doesn't matter. They yeah. care about it the most. The uh, I think the biggest thing, you and I were also talking about it, some things I noticed during the game defensively. The Eagles in this game, where big plays happened, they got thrown on mismatches and coverage. There was there was a moment in the game where Derek Barnett was covering a wide receiver. Yeah. There was, there was a moment where Darius Slay was put... Covering, you know, a, a six foot nine, like two hundred and sixty pound tight end, and he just brushed him up. The amount of mismatches that came from today's game plan from Jonathan Gannon was just so obscene, and it cost them the game defensively because it wasn't just a oh, I, it was one time I was out of place. No, it continued to happen. He saw it, you know, develop throughout the remainder of the game, and there was just no attention to detail on trying to fix that and you can't let your veterans off the hook here either right because the mike williams deep pass rodney mcleod bites on a movement you're a veteran in the nfl you're super bowl champion you need to be able to keep your base there and be able to run and be able to split the defenders until someone makes the move he gets caught lee slay on an island slay played it pretty well williams came up with a great catch it's it's these breakdowns from left to right. He happened at, at just the worst times. I mean, the Derek Barnett offsides, it would have been a third and long. They get a third and manageable. They get a first down, and, you know, now you're into this. Clock management wasn't an issue, but they couldn't stop the run when they had to. It's It was it was one of the more frustrating losses, but here was the, I guess, if there's a silver lining of this loss, they played a good team well, like, and I guess that's where I look at it. Because I don't, like we said at the top of the show, wins and losses just don't matter this year. They just don't. I, I'm going to be a big dumb fan and talk myself into it. If you check my Twitter, I predicted them to win 31-17 to today. And I was back in on the playoff train. And I'll do the same thing next week against the Broncos because I can't help myself. But this team is basically just like waking up and get kicked in the nuts just to go back in bed and do it again, right? Like it's, it's a frustrating product. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's frustrating. Because it almost seems like they go into a week, whatever transpires, transpires, and then it's almost like nothing changes. They, they go throughout a whole week of practice, and you, you expect them to study the game film of the opponent they're playing. And, you know, they came into this game, they started running the ball on offense pretty well. Chargers, worst run defense in the NFL. And then, for whatever reason, they just started getting pass happy and went away from something that was working, and it just made no sense to me when, you know, the Chargers, there's no need to pass on them. Even with their two starting corners out, the backups that they have are still starting caliber cornerbacks in the NFL. You have Derwin James back there who's at an all-pro level this year. There, there's just simply no reason that they should have even tried to attempt to pass as much as they did, you know, late in the second quarter and going into the third quarter, it was like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, they also come out and waste the first drive, and then the second drive, they're backed up in their end zone, for own end zone, and he's throwing deep on first down. What are we doing? Run the ball, get three yards, get some space. There's 
listen, I know people are going to pull their hair out, especially Bartram, when I say this game is still a game of field position at some point. You have to play for it a little bit, right? First down, take your three yards, and then you're you're, you're working with it second and seven, thir- third and five. Like, you got it. And on the first drive, they just come out and throw it all over the place, and I'm like, well, this is my exact fear. I thought they were just going to throw the ball all, all day. But luckily they didn't. They went back to the run. And Jordan Howard, tell me this guy shouldn't have been on the roster since week one. And Where has he been? You know I, what I mean? It, that, it's almost, again, like, was he nursing an injury? They didn't want to disclose it. Like, I don't know. Or was it, like, because Vince made a good point. All these injuries happened and no one touched him. You know, you would think the Ravens at some point would be like, you know what, let me just get a guy who's run, rushed for a 1,000 yards and go get him. So maybe everyone really did think he's cooked. And I know there's the conversation where he's not a pass catching back, but maybe become creative and go like with some 21 personnel. Put him and Boston Scott on the field at the same time. Get some different looks. There's a value of still having a thumper in the league. I mean, Tennessee built an entire offense around it, going to the playoffs multiple times behind it. It's just that the, I feel like I don't know if it's coming from the top, and I hate being this guy where it's Jow, it's it's Howie and Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Howie and Jeffrey Lurie, and they're passing down this message it's like we want to be this new creative new wave offense that's throwing the ball all over the place. We don't want to run the ball. You would think. Jeffrey Lurie's seen on football at this point. No blocking and tackling. Still wins football games. And if you can control the clock, control the speed of the game, you can take the will of your opponent away. It's still there. I know it sounds old school, but it still works in the NFL. And you can dice in that new spread RPO look. It works. The Bucks do it to a T. Just, I don't know, find a guy who's going to be like, listen, I'm not just going to be puffing it around by these guys. I'm not saying Sirianni is, but it just, it just felt like that since the Super Bowl, hasn't it? 100%. And I think their biggest issue right now is like they try to show that they're running that RPO, but they either are way too pass heavy during games or in games like they did against the Lions and early in this game, it was strictly runs, whether it was with, you know, whoever was in the backfield or Jalen Hurts, that the defense becomes privy to that and they're going to key right. in on what you're doing. And it just makes it so predictable that it comes to. Okay, you got to be able to figure out some creativity, and that's just what they lack right now. It's so vanilla. Shout out to Doug Peterson that they they have no. It, it's just such a predictable product on both sides of the ball. And it's I, I the one thing I really do like though, and here's here's another silver lining. I think we only saw one failed screen pass today. Is that correct? Not like six so. or seven. So, I mean, maybe they're learning that way. Let's let's talk about one more thing, too, with Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts kept you in this game with his legs, but I, me and you had a conversation with John and Vince earlier this week. Insert Jimmy Garoppolo onto this game day roster today. Do they win this football game? It's a good question. It's a, I think it's also a matter of we were talking about it during the game, and I've been talking about it since September. They don't have enough veteran presence on that wide receiver core. Devontae Smith looks like a player, which is a good sign. But outside of Devontae, there's nothing there for no matter who the quarterback is on this team to get the ball out in space and get the ball to. And there's nobody to kind of lead this young wide receiver core to in a direction of, hey, this is the tricks and trades of the NFL. Devontae Smith is in his first year in the NFL. Quez, Hightower, Jalen Rager, they're all in their second year. The most tenured guy is Jay Jaw. It's Jay Jaw and Greg Ward. Has like 10, I don't even know if Jay Jaw has more than 10 career catches. Yeah. I really it, don't know. It, it's at that point where it's similar to the coaching staff, which I've also said, 
outside of Jeff Stoutland, every coach on this coaching staff is new at the position they are coaching in. And I go back to this with the coaching staff, and I've said this, you can go back and find it. I wanted that CEO type of coach where the offensive coordinator called plays, the defensive coordinator called the defense. If they, and if they were going to bring a guy in like Nick Sirianni, why not go get a guy like a Jim Caldwell? Just to put him on your staff, to have that veteran, calm leadership, the grandpa style of really, like, all right, well, hold on a second. This still works in the NFL. But we're getting we're getting out there and, and talking about certain things. But I agree, this team is young and shows promise, but they, they lack that midline 27 to 28-year-old veteran who's done a good job in the NFL to just kind of be like, guys, let me grab you here and pull you back in and teach you the way this should really work. And I think they're going to address that in the offseason. They're probably going to address it at quarterback, and they're probably going to address it at wide receiver. And I just hope it's not they're addressing it all with our first-round draft picks that we're not actually taking. Yeah, hopefully they hold on to the draft picks. And, you know, next week, Denver, they went out and beat the Cowboys. So who knows what's on tap. You're not dead yet. You're not dead. I mean, you're not even dead. You're dead in the division. You're not beating Dallas, right? It's not happening. The NFC is not that good, and you have a weak schedule coming up. This is where that big done fan. It's, it's already creeping back in, Kyle. I just watched the bad game. It's creeping right back in. Get a win next week. You put yourself right back in the conversation again. It's going to be interesting, and we'll be here next week uh, when the Eagles take on the Broncos. But for John Barchard, Vince Quinn, Coach Gary, Kyle Bennett, this has been the post-post-game show on Bell and the Birdman, live from the Henry James Saloon. We'll see you guys next week. Hey!